Um, if you're visiting with us today, we don't pass the tray right now. What we have is a box outside for our offering. Um, so we're, uh, if you're a guest here today, we expect for you to give double. Uh, so it's just right in the box right there. So uh, just so you're aware, I mean, there is, I mean, if you have a membership, you don't have to pay as much. It's a guest fee. So it's just how it goes. Sorry. Uh, I'm so uh, grateful uh, to have uh, many guests with us this morning, time together. Uh, I'm Jordan. I, I get the privilege to serve uh, this church family, and I'm, I'm grateful for uh, the years that I've got to spend here to learn and grow and be encouraged and, and challenged to be a minister, to love and encourage and be with people in good times and bad. And, and if, if you are going through life alone, we want you to know that you don't need to do that. Uh, there's a church family here that loves uh, tries to love everybody. We don't do it perfect, but we try to do it well. We have uh, places for you to get plugged in and opportunities to be encouraged and to know that there's a place here for you. So if you're a guest with us here today, uh, we are so glad that you are here, and we hope that what is shared and what's already been sung so well and beautifully uh, to celebrate Jesus and what he's done would stir in your hearts today. Uh, this week, a, a, well, a very well-intentioned friend said to me, Jordan, are you ready? This is your Super Bowl. And I said, well, thanks for the extra pressure, man. And, uh, and I actually got thinking about it, and I, and I said, you know, I, I appreciate that. And, and it's a lot as, from a minister perspective. I mean, we, we do put a lot of pressure on ourselves. I think I, growing up here and just learning my role and what I do, I think I, over time, put a lot of pressure on myself and made my self go a little crazy. I'm sure none of you have done that before either, just adding pressure to yourselves. And so the more I thought about it, it's like, you know, it's not really my Super Bowl. What this is, is the parade celebrating the championship victory. This is our team, Jesus Christ, has done all of the earth shattering that was needed. He's done all of the victory. He's done all of the work. We get to just remember the plays. And we get to say, do you remember when Jesus went to the cross and it seemed like all was lost and all hope was broken? Do you remember that moment? But really, the plays and the highlights, they go way back, not just the week before and not just the years before in Jesus' life. But the plays we remember, they start way back in the start of it all back in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth and he created all of the beauty and all of creation and we see we see God in the picture of Genesis of God creating life and and the garden beaming with life and this God among his creation and with his creation with Adam and Eve but we also remember those plays those hard plays where those moments where it seemed like there was defeat like there was suffering like there was difficulty like we might not make it and it's when Adam and Eve, when they sinned, and, and then there's the curse, and then there's all the brokenness of all the suffering that the curse brings, of choosing God, of choosing sin, of choosing uh, the world over it, choosing a relationship with God. We've, we've been there in our own lives, and we feel that. We've known that moment. We know when we face our own sin and our own hurt and our own suffering, our own bad decisions, and the own brokenness of our life where we feel like maybe we don't deserve 
to have friends. We don't deserve to be loved. We don't deserve to be rescued. We don't deserve to be forgiven. We have felt that. We have felt moments in our life where it feels like it's we're zero and the opponent is 50 and there's no, no hope for us to mount a comeback. The story of Israel is a story of, a story of them, uh, in a lot of ways, not really able to mount a comeback. They're, they're in uh, quite a few predicaments. If we fast forward through the Bible, I want to spend a little bit of time talking to you this morning about the book of Exodus. And I know you're thinking, I'm here on Easter. I want to hear about Jesus raised from the dead. We will get there. But, a few, uh, but for the next two hours, I just want to help you understand the exodus and what it means for you because there's a play that happened way back then that happens again where jesus sort of like let's throw the flea flicker again the the hail mary no pun intended right the uh come on guys that was a bad joke but it was worth at least a chuckle all right but way back in the book of exodus the the story of exodus is israel Israel held captive in slavery, enslaved in Egypt, and they are in the midst of suffering. Their lives are made incredibly more difficult. They're expected to make as much as they possibly can, and and Pharaoh is actively restricting their resources, and he's saying, come on, guys, meet the quota, and he pushes the quota on them. And Israel They are the people that are supposed to have a special relationship with God. They are God's chosen, set-apart people. They have a special relationship with him, and they start wondering, do we have that relationship with God? Can we have a relationship with God if we're going through all of this suffering, all of this difficulty? And so they, they cry out, God, remember us. Do you remember us? I think we all can say we've had moments in our life where we've asked God that question. Do you remember me? Do you remember that you love me? Hey, God, you know, it's time to wake up. We've been there, and Israel was there, and they were not just there for a year. They were there for 400 years, and when the pressure really started mounting, the cries really started lifting up. And God says to Moses, he calls Moses, this man Moses, and he says, I want you to be the one to deliver my people out of Egypt. And we know how Moses reacts. You know, he's like, wait, me? And, and he sort of fumbles through it like, I'm not the guy. I'm this God, I see that you're trying to run a special play here to kind of mount a comeback against evil and darkness and, and nations and powerful leaders. And I, I see what you're trying to do here, but I should be on the bench. I shouldn't be the one that you call into the, we got surround sound going today. I'll, t- I'll tell them to time it out a little bit better so when it, you know, when the spirit's really moving. Can we get the fog machine too? All right, I'm off track. The, uh, somebody text Brad that the music's too loud. I don't know. The, um, what was I talking about? Israel. <laughs> Moses. Moses is wondering. He says, God, it's not me. I'm not the one to run this play. This is, you need someone else. And he goes back and forth, back and forth, and God says, you're the guy. I'll, I'll give you all the help you need. And sure enough, God does help Moses. And Moses goes to Pharaoh, and this is what he says to Pharaoh, the first thing out of his mouth. And this is so incredibly important because I want it to connect later. What Moses does, what he says to Pharaoh is, I want to, or I'm here to 
draw the people of God out so that we can go and worship him. That is the whole thing. He doesn't say we want to decimate your nation and up and up, you know, upheaval and all of your nation. It's not any of that. We not, what he says is I want to take God's people out of here and I want them to worship God. But worship. Let's draw them out of Egypt so that they could worship and praise God. And I and I love that song, and Wendy highlighted it already that. What is it to praise, but it's a yippee, yahoo, and then you have to pump your fist. Way to go, God! It's that victory parade that we're celebrating. And that's what Moses wants for the people, and that's what Moses is calling them. He's saying, I'm just here to get the people out of Egypt to worship God. And so sure enough, and you may already know how all of the story goes, and just speeding through it quickly, it, Pharaoh laughs at that idea. It's like how... How can they, you know, get and meet their quota if they're out here worshiping? How can they meet the demands that I have before them if they give pause in worship? And so then this contentious battle happens, and there's plagues, and there's death, and there's suffering, and finally Pharaoh has enough, and he says, he says after the Passover, the Passover where the uh, the spirit of death sort of swept through Egypt and took all of the firstborn children and it was the blood of the lamb that was painted over the doorpost that they would pass over those houses and it was that moment where Pharaoh experienced the greatest of defeats and he sees the power and magnitude of God that he says all right Israel <laughs> the people of Israel I've had enough I can't face this God my gods don't compare be gone. And it's, it's that moment where Israel is then leaving and Israel is, uh, you know, they're halfway out the door and Pharaoh's like, wait, what was I thinking? And then he sends all the chariots after him and, and that's when Charlton Heston really shines, right? You know, and uh, I mean Moses. Uh, and he goes to the Red Sea and, uh, and their people are crying out. It's like, well, we're stuck again. And they start crying out to God. It's like, do you, do you remember us? It's like, what, what sort of play do you have in mind now, God? Like, how do we get ourselves out of this mess? And so what we have is God showing once again that he has authority over heaven and earth, that he has authority over all of creation, that he has the authority to part the sea and the people of God cross through on dry ground. And then the seas crash down on Pharaoh's army and and. And do away with Pharaoh and Pharaoh's men. God rescues Israel again. And it's this story. It's this story that would become the most monumental and significant story in the life of Israel for the rest of their lives. They would do all they could throughout the year to remember Jesus, or remember God delivering the Israelites out of Egypt. And they would have a celebration annually throughout their lives. They would remember their scriptures that they would recall, that they would have memorized. They would all tell this story. It's a lot like how we remember our favorite plays and in life and the things that we've experienced. Those moments where we have good things that happen and we come together with our friends and we say, we say to each other, do you remember when? 
I have lots of those stories, most of them inappropriate. But we have those stories, don't we? Things where we remember. When we come together with friends and we say, do you remember when we did this? Remember how that went? Well, for Israel, for Israel, they would say, do you remember what God did for us? And they would remember it in the good times, but they would also try to remember it in the most difficult of times. When they would be captured by Assyria or captured by Babylon or they would be, you know, cast out of Israel's promised land again, they would say, do you remember what God did for us then? Do you remember what God did for us against the greatest of enemies, the greatest of nations, the greatest of leaders in Pharaoh and Egypt? Well, what we face now pales in comparison to what God did then. And it was this story that was told over and over again and again, over and over, the Passover. We have the Passover where it was this story of God rescuing his people. Rick, it's got to be your great-grandkids, right? <laughs> hey, I was, I, I can remember telling stories. I can remember going into church. Um, it, it was the most horrifying moment of my entire life. I, my grandpa said, give the offering uh, in the tray, and so I proceeded to walk all the way from the back, all the way up to front, to give Dan Johnson the offering and hand it to him. And he said, see, just like that, and I what he said, but I was mortified. I sprinted out of the church, and I said, I'm never going back to that place again. Still haven't. I mean, <laughs> that's why I'm here. That's when I was 20. But, uh, no. And so this story of the Exodus, it meant everything to them. And everything they did centered on how do we remember God's faithfulness? How do we remember what God has done for us? And so they would have a meal and they would have festivals and they would say, let's never forget what God has done. Let's never forget the Lamb's blood that, that protected us. Let's never forget the power of God to part the waters. Let's never forget that He does remember us. And I know what you're thinking. Okay, today is the day that we celebrate Jesus risen from the dead. Today's the day that we talk not about the Exodus, but about Jesus victorious over death. And what I would say to you is, I've been talking all about it this morning. The story of Matthew that we've been, I've been preaching on and teaching, I've been trying to highlight every once in a while moments where Matthew was telling us that Jesus is living the Exodus story. We remember at Christmas, who's the evil guy who's trying to kill babies? Nothing but King Herod, right? Well, Herod and Pharaoh, they have that in common. Well, what is it that Herod ends up doing? He tries doing that, and what does the angel say to Joseph? He says, where should you take Jesus when he's born? Where should he go? Egypt. You should go to Egypt. You guys do pay attention. You've read your Bibles. Rock and roll. That's good. 
Right, so he sends them to Egypt, and the story sort of keeps going, though, doesn't it? Then after that, they, it's safe to go back, and Herod and all of the policies are gone, and it's safe for them to go back home. And, and then Jesus is baptized. Where's Jesus baptized at? Jordan River. Jordan River is where the Israelites finally cross over. It's after Exodus, and the very start of the book of Genesis, where the Israelites cross the Jordan River and enter into the Promised Land. It's their exodus out of Egypt and finally getting into the Promised Land. And Jesus starts joining that story. He goes into the baptism waters of the Jordan, and he is baptized, and the, and the skies open, and there's a voice that cries out from heaven that says, This is my Son, whom I love and am well pleased. And from there, it, what happens next, but this sort of exodus moment where they wander, he, uh, he goes to the desert in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. How long does Israel spend in the uh, wandering wilderness? But 40 years, not 40 nights, but it's all a sort of sense that we should be thinking about this story. And then the rest of Matthew are these things, these things that happen. You know, Moses, he would go up into a mountain. And he would talk with God, and he would receive instruction from God, and he was given the commands. What happens in Matthew 5 through 7? Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Oh, Jesus is on a mountain. Jesus is giving us the law. Jesus is instructing us. Jesus is telling the Exodus story. He's telling the Torah story, the law of God. Jesus is saying, come and embrace and obey the law of God. Follow him and trust in him. He's calling him. Matthew's trying to help us see, I think, the Exodus story. Now fast forward, because there's lots of cool things that happen, but one of them is they go up on a mountain, and there's the transfiguration. And who does Jesus talk to on the mountain of his transfiguration? Elijah and Moses. How he can tell them apart, I think they had name tags. I don't know for sure. We get name tags in heaven. You know, you avoid awkwardness in heaven. I think that's how it goes. Because nothing's worse than that. Like my sermons. But, uh, all right, too far. Okay. But Jesus ascends the mountain, and there's the transfiguration, and there's Moses cheering him on. Jesus is the Exodus story. And what we find, what we find as the sort of pinnacle connection is in the moments leading up to his betrayal and arrest, it happens in a room where Jesus says, this is my blood of the covenant, and it is for the forgiveness of your sins. It's this Jesus who connects to the Passover story, who when they sacrificed the lambs and they spread the blood over the doorframe, it's this Jesus who becomes the Lamb of God who we take on his blood, who cleanses us of our sin. He says, this is a new covenant, this is a new promise, this is for your forgiveness, this is for your new life. And God is telling this story again. Only the story is not the redemption out of Egypt, it's the redemption out of sin, it's the redemption out of death, it's the redemption out of suffering, it's the redemption out of brokenness. And what the story of Exodus is, is the story of all people who would come to Jesus Christ, who would leave graves behind, who would leave death behind, who would leave slavery behind, who leave sin behind, who leave darkness behind, who choose light, life, freedom, hope, 
mercy, love, forgiveness. You are called out of darkness and you are brought into light and life and freedom in Jesus Christ. You have new life in the new exodus, in the new resurrection, in the new life, in the new creation. The old is gone, the new has come in Jesus Christ. That is your story. That is the invitation that we have in Jesus every day when he opens his life to you and he says, you've been a slave to sin. You've been a slave to death. You have been slaved to the things of this world. You've been slaved to sexual immorality. You've been slaves to pride. You've been slaves to envy. You've been slaves to jealousy. You've been slaves to all of these things that sort of encumber our lives and hold us back and chain us Who has felt shame? Who has looked in the mirror and thought, there is no hope for me? Who has thought, man, I've really messed up this time. There is no way out this time. Jesus writes an Exodus story. He entered into the Exodus journey of Israel so he could say, that this journey is not just for Israel anymore. The story is for you. And his blood is for you. And this freedom is for you. So if I could be very, very clear today, it would be to say this. God is calling you out of darkness and into light. God is calling you out of brokenness and he's calling you to healing and hope. God is calling you out of death and into new life. Matthew 28, I shared it at the beginning of our time together and again, I kind of repeated it earlier. But What is it that people do when they first see the risen Jesus? What is it that Moses went to Pharaoh the very first time and said, this is what I want you guys to do. I want them to leave Egypt so that they can go out and worship me or worship their God. This story is about you guys and all of us leaving the old life behind. That when we find the risen Jesus, just like the women do that day, and that early morning, they finally find him, and they fall to his feet, and they worship him. The Exodus story is always a story about God redeeming and saving so that we can become the people who say, we love you, Lord, and we give you our lives. You have to leave. You have to have the exodus. And Jesus has given the way. Now it's up to you. Will you find him? And will you worship him? And give him your life? That's the story of the exodus in Matthew. And it can be your story of your journey out of death, out of sin, and into forgiveness and new life. Would you come and find Jesus and worship him today? Let's pray.
God, we love you. Thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for laying down your life for us. Thank you for giving us hope in Jesus, hope in the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, in the midst of all of life's turmoils, God. There's nothing greater than the hope we have in you today, knowing that Jesus is greater than death, that Jesus rose from the dead, that Jesus is King of kings, Lord of lords, and he is worthy of every bit of our praise. So Lord, wherever we are coming from today, whether this is the first time we've ever heard it or if it's the thousandth time, may we still find the risen Jesus today and cling to his feet and praise you for what you've done. Thank you for winning the championship. Thank you for defeating death. Thank you for loving us and redeeming us. And Lord, in our celebration and our parade today, we want to lift you high, knowing, Lord, that you are king and you are Lord over all. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to read with you just one last thing, if you can go ahead and stand for it. I'd like to give you the closing image of heaven. There was a question that was asked and I, uh, that in the Revelation 5. Then I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed, and he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And so John, he looks and he says, Okay, the one who can make the world right is going to be the lion of the tribe of Judah. Then it says, Then he, he looks and I saw that it wasn't the lion, but it was the lamb, looking as if he had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. And the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, with, which are all seven spirits of God sent out into all of the earth. It's speaking of his power and majesty. And he went out and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders, all of creation, everyone worships, all centered around the Lamb. Each of them had a harp, and they were holding a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang this new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that it is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever.
It's the lamb who has been slain who washes you from your sins. And it's the lamb who is slain who is worthy of all of our praise.